And now Money Matters with the Lewises, Doug, Linda, and Deborah, owners of Lewis Financial Management, a Raleigh-based financial planning firm providing investment and planning advice since 1983. Doug is a certified financial planner who could answer your questions about investments, retirement planning, and estate planning. Why not call Doug, Linda, and Deborah right now with your investment question at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. Now, here's Doug, Linda, and Deborah. Investments offered through SFA, Inc., investment advice through Lewis Financial Management. SFA, Inc. and Lewis Financial Management are not related entities. Hello, North Carolina. This is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner, once again welcoming you to Money Matters with the Lewises, Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Money Matters has been providing you with a personal financial hotline for all your questions about investments, estate planning, tax planning, money management, and retirement planning for over 30 years. Good evening, North Carolina, and to all our listeners, wherever you may be. Thank you for joining us once again on Money Matters with the Lewis Family on News Radio 680 WPTF. And I'm Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. And I'm Linda Lewis. And I'm Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. And we're the Lewises. We are the Lewises. We're the Lewis family. (laughs) Tonight, it's our family to your family, how we can help you. Of course, we want to also say uh, hello to Eddie and Lorenzo if you're listening. And we want everybody to be uh, in good spirits tonight because we have a good show in front of us. Well, it definitely has been an interesting week. A lot of gains, but... Share with us what happened at the close of the week. Well, it was really strange. You know, markets dropped sharply for the week in reaction to falling commodity prices in the run-up to next week's Federal Reserve meeting. That's all major indexes and sectors fell, but not surprisingly, oil and energy was the worst performing sector. Falling prices have been a boon, however, for consumers. In Washington, legislators right now are negotiating a budget deal which may lift off the uh, the um, the exclusion or the prohibition to export oil, the ban on exporting oil. And if that's lifted, if that's successful, the removal could help the domestic industry compete in a low oil price environment. And then at the same time, there's something else that's happening here. The expected hike in interest rates has clearly contributed to stock price volatility. Then on the bond side, Two, week, two high-yield bonds, two junk bonds this week were forced to close up because they couldn't meet their redemption request. So all in all, the stock market was up and down, up and down, but closed the week at a loss of 535 points. And oil, believe it or not, closed at a little bit over $35 a barrel. This week, we will see what happens as we move into the closing weeks of the year. Yeah, it points to that if you're... If you're in the industry, even though you know that there are going to be a lot of fluctuations that come in at the end of the year, it's still one of the things we know is that it's always surprising to me how few people are calling at least our office because we know how to design portfolios that aren't going to make you a little crazy when when volatility hits. 
And so while you know intellectually that this might be the time of year where there's a lot of volatility and this week is one of those weeks where you feel it, it really is a well-designed, a well-managed, a well-thought-out, um, an individual plan for yourself that makes you not worry about the ups and downs that, that might happen on the weekly basis. Well, I like that term, Deborah, a plan, a well-thought-out plan, because if there is a well-thought-out financial plan, which is controlling everything in the client's world, then indeed volatility is very often seen as a positive opportunity rather than a negative fear, but it is dependent upon a plan. That's right. You know, uh, I was just thinking some people uh, have an inclination to certain uh, vehicles within the market and others are on the other side of the pendulum. I mean, they're really addicted. Right. And so if you don't have proper advice to to channel, you know, either your interests or your addiction. Yeah. <laughs> and bring you to the center, then, you know, then you're going to be one of those people that's panicking because that's right. there are some folks that we've met uh, over, you know, the last decade and they're just really into junk bonds. And so they're just... They have just right. been looking, buying bonds. Right. You, anyone who was looking for income was drawn to this sec- section or sector of the market. There's exactly. no doubt about it. Actually, it was not long ago, not many years back, where I was recommending all of our clients have at least one high-yield bond fund, otherwise known as a junk bond fund, in their portfolio. But on the other hand, right now, it is a disaster scenario. And if this is part of your world, call us tonight. Call us at WPTF. We are here at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. And we will answer any of your financial questions. But with regard to what happened this past week in the junk bond arena, there was a huge route. You know, U.S. junk bonds posted the steepest decline since 2011, indicating fears that a six-year bull market in stocks was nearing an end. Yeah, a day of heavy selling across markets with the Dow Jones Industrial Average tumbling 310 points and U.S. traded crude oil uh, at $35 a barrel. Traders said much of Friday's decline was triggered by this abrupt closure. And the abrupt closure was of a high yield, a high profile, profile junk bond mutual fund. So, yeah, you have to see the interrelatedness of the different markets because normally you would think that one caused the other, whereas in this case, the other caused the one. Right. There is the fear of interest rate rising, which caused the junk bonds and the junk bond mutual funds to have a run. That's right. People were afraid. They, they were they afraid. They asked for their money back. They were afraid. And so they said, we need to redeem. We need to sell. We need to uh, redeem the money in our funds right. and put it over in the stock market. But on the other hand, by redeeming, what happens? It causes a, a panic. And so now the fund itself is going to have to try and sell something and get to give cash. And I don't think many people realize that, Deborah. When you go ahead and start selling your mutual funds... Back to the fund. You're redeeming them. You're not selling them like a stock in the market. You're redeeming them. The mutual fund manager, he has to have cash to cash you out. Well, he doesn't have cash very often. So to get cash, he's got to sell some of the stocks or some of the bonds in his fund. 
And, of course, this is exactly what happened last week. Right. Uh, there was so much demand for redemptions that the managers had to go ahead and start selling their junk bonds. And it was a, it was a terrible story. Uh, it, was a, it was a really hard luck story because two of the junk bond funds uh, really – they went over the hill. They just went and they went right, on. They there. had to close. They, they couldn't they couldn't meet all of the uh, investors who were wanting their 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 liquidations processed. That's right. Stock indexes have been gaining and then flat and gaining and flat and now flat so far this year after gaining strongly over the last 7 or 8 years. Starting in 2009, investors were pouring tens of billions of dollars into US junk bond mutual funds. But some, including myself, have been warning that the high-yield market, the gains in the high-yield market were overdone and that the junk bonds were vulnerable to a sharp pullback if investor cash began leaving at an accelerating pace, which is exactly what happened. And that's why in our office over the last... Oh, six I think months? Six, at least three. The last three months, we've been sending out written recommendations mm-hmm. to our clients to get out of the high-yield bond funds that are in your portfolio and move it into uh, another kind of fund. Uh, but that's exactly what happened. And the worries apply to many type of funds, but they're most intense in all kinds of bond funds. It is a, uh, it's, it's a reality that's always there. And if you don't have a plan that accompanies or uh, that uh, deals with all of these, then you're going to either be behind or ahead and something is going to be happening that's negative to your portfolio. That's right. Well, the world, you know, it's funny. The the world of high-yield junk bonds, it provides a real nice um, complement to other asset classes. And then also, you have to know enough to know that, well, if they were the only game in town as far as income, then there were probably a lot of junk in the junk that wasn't that used didn't used to be there. In other words, you had to give a lot more, um, buy a lot more bonds that maybe you as a portfolio manager wouldn't normally have been buying. And that's a good point, Deborah, because many people who are in the high yield bond funds, they're in it for the income, the right. yield. And so those people, they are really not concerned whether the value of their fund is shrinking, dropping. They're they're in it for that dividend. That's right. And for those people, then it's fine, but they're a rare breed. Right. There are, a, at least in our clients, they're a rare breed. Most of them want to have a balanced portfolio. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family on News Radio 680 WPTF. If you've got a question regarding your portfolio, maybe you've got a question about year end tax planning, or what about your asset allocation? in your investment portfolio. Call us with your questions on the open line at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-WPTF. And if you would like to schedule an appointment at Lewis Financial Management, 32 years of excellence in financial planning, comprehensive financial planning in Midtown Raleigh. Call us at 919 919- Eight seven two seven thousand. That's nine one nine USA seven thousand. And you may, before you call us for that appointment, you may want to find our website, see what our faces look like, see what we are like as we're speaking. Uh, that website address is dougandlinda.com. That's dougandlinda.com. And of course, those that do schedule a meeting this week, 
this week in front of us, they will get, as usual, one of three free books. Well, do you want to tell the story or shall I? All right, you can tell the story. Okay, so so Doug and I were in the middle of a meeting, and um, this this lady was just really, you know, during several times talking how fondly her her relationship with her father had been, and he had since passed away. And at, at the end of the meeting, um, because it was her first meeting, we reminded her that we were happy to be giving her her first. Uh, financial planning book from the Lewises, and I was getting ready to hand her the the wealthy barber, and she said, "Oh, I've already read it. <laughs> My father made me read it. <laughs> he was listening to people like you on the radio, and he made me read it a long time ago." <laughs> and, and we nearly fell out of our chair because we loved knowing that a dad had given to his daughter. You know, a father passing down wisdom is the basis of this story. That's exactly and right. And here was a real live scenario of someone who had base who had passed down the advice: go get yourself a copy of the Wealthy Barber. It has great tips, and it's told in a very uh, user-friendly read sort of a m- model. But um, <laughs> if you're out there and you're coming in for your first appointment this week, and you don't have a, a father that made you read the Wealthy Barber, we will give you a copy of the Wealthy Barber. If not, as we gave her, we will give you. A book called Simple Wealth, Inevitable Wealth, or your choice, you might also want Middle Class Millionaire, which really describes most of our clients, middle class millionaires. Well, what's new in the world of retirement planning? Well, Doug, Linda, you know, one of our, um, one of the experts in this area of IRAs and anything about IRAs is a man named Ed Slot, who has been an expert for years. Mm-hmm. And he was quoted recently um, on some helpful tips. And, uh, yeah, he said the spike in equity market volatility this year means fertile ground for, uh, for a lot of things that are happening. Uh, but he cautioned that we be very careful about the required minimum distributions, what's called the RMDs, because, you know, required minimum distributions for clients with IRAs and other retirement accounts are often taken year-end. That's when people do it. Of course, one of the reasons they do it is because there is a huge 50% penalty if you don't do it right. Now, the required beginning date for, and we call them RMDs, required minimum distributions, RMDs, the required minimum beginning date is generally April 1st following the year that the client turns 70 and a half. But every time after that, every year after that, RMDs are due by December 31. And with that 50% penalty facing people who miss it, there's a lot of RMD requests right at end of the year. So uh, here comes Ed Slot with some common RMD-based errors to watch out for. One of the big ones is, and Linda and I were talking about this today, is that if you have multiple accounts, they are all going to be subject to RMDs. And you listening tonight, you may have multiple IRA or plan accounts, and these are all subject to required minimum distributions. So make sure you have taken all of the retirement plans into account so nothing falls through the cracks. And you don't get hit with a 50% tax penalty. Now, the RMD for each IRA should be calculated separately if you have more than one, but the total RMD for the IRA group can be taken from any one or any combination of your IRAs. That is true. On the other hand, you cannot satisfy an IRA 
RMD from a company plan, like a 401k, each company's RMD must be taken from that company plan only. So that's one error to watch out for. And uh, I have seen clients come in my office and they were, they'd missed it. And I had to give them the news that they're facing a 50% tax penalty. So if you're 70 and a half and you still happen to be working, then it may be that your custodian has already made you aware that you've got to take your RMD from your 401k. If you happen to have an IRA, you're going to need to take it from your IRA. If you happen to have a cash balance plan, you also need to take it out of that. And then there are those that have the 403b. So whatever the retirement plans are that you have in your retirement portfolio, make sure that you get the answers and work with a certified financial planner or work with your CPA to find out how much you should be taking out so you don't get that penalty that Doug was talking about. That's right. And that's just one um, mistake to to, to uh, prevent or, or try watch and avoid or right. you know, watch out for. Then you have the whole world of different types of IRAs. What about an inherited IRA, Doug? Yeah, inherited IRAs, sometimes called stretch IRAs. Inherited IRAs also have RMD rules. The RMD from an inherited traditional IRA can be combined only with other traditional IRAs inherited from the same decedent. And that's something to watch out for because they can be very tricky if you are inheriting an IRA from someone who already had started taking their RMD. All right, Doug. Well, what if this is the first year that I'm required to take my RMD? Yeah, now death will get you out of pretty much everything in the tax code except for RMDs. <laughs> Dang <it>. Unfortunately, <laughs> they still must be taken for the year of death. And this is the point of confusion. The point of confusion is who's responsible for taking that year of death RMD if it wasn't taken by the decedent during the year before he died. In this case, it's the beneficiary who takes the year of death RMD and reports that income on his or her tax return. So this is another error to watch out for. All right. Then Linda, we, yeah, yeah then we, Linda, how about the first year RMD? Well, for the first year RMD, uh, the client should use the balance as of year end, December 31st of the year, before the, the, uh, the client turns 70 and a half, which is the client's first distribution year, even if the distribution is not taken until the following year. And so, that's, yeah, that's a little tricky, Linda, because that is exactly right. It has to be that first year when you turned 70 and a half. However, the IRS gives you an exception that first year only. Exactly. And they mm-hmm. say you have until April of the following year to take that first year RMD, but that doesn't forgive the need to take it for that year. So if you do wait until after then, you have two RMDs that have to be taken or you're back to that 50% penalty. Right. Well, another one to avoid is the inherited IRA mistake. If you inherited an IRA in 2014 and then the first RMD will be generally due by the end of 2015. However, there are special exceptions for spouses who inherit. If there is more than one beneficiary, say three children, then the inherited IRA might be must be split by the end of the year into three properly titled inherited IRAs. Well, I would say the last, and of course, Ed Slot had a number of other little watchouts for RMDs, but 
I liked his last one that it's a good time to check year end. Is a good time to check beneficiary forms that have been updated with any changes during the year. Maybe there's been a birth, a death, a marriage, a divorce, a remarriage. This is a good planning thing to do and to get the habit into come year end. All right. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family on News Radio 680 WPTF. Let's pause here for a caller. Fred, this is Doug Lewis. How can I help you this evening? I want to start a savings plan. I don't currently have one except with the uh, money market, uh, which is through a local bank. I'd like to get a better interest rate, and I want to see what vehicles I could use to accomplish that. I've looked at uh, no-load mutual funds, but I have there's so many of them, I have no idea which way to look. Right. Uh, well, let me just ask you a quick question. If you were going to go out and look for a wife, would you look for a wife with long hair or short hair? <laughs> uh, depends on what she looks like. <laughs> That's exactly my point. Don't go looking for a no-load mutual fund. Okay. In other words, you look at mutual funds according to the performance of the managers and how much they've made. Don't go looking for a mutual fund just because she's got long hair or short hair. You know, that's all the trimmings and the dressings. That's a bunch of hype. Okay? Now, let me ask you about, you want to get into a savings plan. What do you have already? Uh, I, have a, I have a money market with a local uh, credit union. How much do you have set aside? Uh, what's in it right now? Yeah. About uh, $4,000. And what's your income level? Uh, 65000 What are your living expenses? Do you have any idea what your monthly expenses are running? Um. Do an analysis, find out, multiply by three, get that money out of the credit union, I mean out of the money market account that you're in, choose a mutual fund family that has a money market account, and it doesn't matter now load or no load because all money market funds at all mutual funds are no loads. Okay. Uh, and once you've got that accumulated to three times your living expenses, three times your monthly expenses, then go ahead and continue to move into a balanced fund, being a stock and bond fund. A stock and bond fund. Right. If you would like to receive a living expense form that will help you figure out what your monthly or annual expenses are, I'd be happy to send you one if you'd like to call our office. Okay. And I, I can send you one in the mail. Sounds great. Our number is 8727000. 8, okay. That's a good idea, Linda. A lot of people don't know how to get into their living expenses. All right. Okay, Fred. Thanks for calling. Thank you. All right. You're listening to Money Matters at the Lewis Family, only on News Radio 680 WPTF, helping North Carolinians like you with all your financial planning questions for 32 years. Open numbers or open open lines are waiting just for you. The number is 919-860-9783, 919-860-9783. And if you miss us during the show, they have a beautiful office in Midtown Raleigh where they can be reached. And what's the number for that office? 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. Well, what's new in the world of tax planning? Well, you know... The spike in the stock market volatility that's been happening recently actually means very fertile ground for the strategy of loss harvesting. Now, given the volatility in various financial markets, this year, 2015, really is shaping up as a year that will offer many investors lots of opportunities for what we call tax loss harvesting. We have been aggressively taking care of that for each of our clients but we want our listeners to know that it is definitely something you should pay attention to. 
That's right. Tax loss harvesting is a strategy in which an investor sells one or more stock or mutual fund to offset the gains in another and help achieve long-term goals. Yeah, the benefits of tax loss harvesting are always going to depend on an investor's unique circumstances, but it is mainly a way to offset taxes that are usually unavoidable due to capital gains. So this is a great way to go ahead and take something that you think is going to be lemon and turns out to be lemonade. You have taxes that you think you have to pay, and here's a way to make Right, right. But but a caution out there that investors should definitely seek expert advice regarding tax loss harvesting strategies because some serious things can go wrong. Yeah, we have to always remember the wash sale rule. When harvesting losses, it's always important to be aware of this wash sale rule, which prohibits taxpayers from claiming a loss when selling a fund and then within 30 days buying the same fund back. That's what you have to watch out for. But on the other hand, you may have a fund that you really like. That's right. And it's gone down and you've got losses that are not real. They're just uh, on the book, so to speak, Uh on paper. And you can realize by selling that fund, you can capture, realize those losses. Linda, that's exactly right. And then 30 days later, 31 days later, Go back in and buy that same fund again. But those losses that you captured now can wipe out the tax gains that you were going to have to pay tax on in something else. That's right. You know, volatility has been present this year in U.S. stock markets and international markets, emerging markets and other asset classes. So as a result, there have been you know, many opportunities for many investors to harvest tax losses. And um, but you need to do it, you know, with someone, with someone's help. And that's where we believe you, know, you should call us. And, um, you know, if this sounds like your situation, give us a call Monday, 919-872-7000. And uh, if this is a part of your long-term uh, financial plan, let us help you. Yeah, and you don't have to wait till Monday if you don't want to. You can call <laughs> us right now on the open lines at 919-860-9783. That's 919 919- Eight six zero nine seven eight three. Taxes are a year-round consideration. You don't have to wait until April to address tax-related issues because there are steps you can take now. That's what we're doing with our clients. We'd love to help you. Financial planning involves so many facets and um, aspects of one's personal world, and a lot of folks think, "Well, it has to do with my investments," but. Not only because that's not all you're about. People every day and so many of our wonderful listeners that over these last three decades that we've worked with at Lewis Financial Management, um, you are wonderful and diligent. (laughs) Just diligent, steady, working every year, saving, accumulating, and then you know, you, you get to a stage in your life, whether it's I lost my job or the company's downsizing and I've got to make a decision. Or maybe your spouse is the one that's getting a little panicky because are we going to be ready answers. to retire? Can we afford to retire? We and, hear that a lot. And then the whole, you know, then we get a lot of our, our, our mostly females, you know, and they, they think, well, I don't want to be a bag lady in retirement. Well, 
you still have a lot of wealth here. So let's get together. Let's talk about your situation. Let's look at all those statements that you accumulate in your file folders and let's sort things out, you know, because people's lives are busy. But that's what we do. That's right. In our practice, we help you sort it out. We help you get the answers and we help you plan for whatever stage that you are in. Right. And this is a great opportunity. Here we are at the end of another wonderful year, getting ready for another new year. So if you're listening, write down your questions and call us at Lewis Financial Management. You know, Linda, I like what you just shared because I'm reminded of a few weeks ago, there was a client, a new client in the office and she, this was the wife, she wanted to know, could they retire and we, or could she retire? And we analyzed it and we found out, yes, uh, she had an opportunity. She could make it and everything. And then he, the husband, was with her and he had a very interesting question, you may recall. He wanted to know, what are the negative aspects of of me continuing to work? That's what he said. That's right. I'd never been asked that question before. And so I went through the numbers and I analyzed their living expenses, analyzed if she retired, which she was going to, and then if he retired, then what would their investment portfolio and their pension, et cetera, produce? And we found out, oh, they can still maintain the same lifestyle. But that didn't answer his question yet, just yet. That didn't tell him the negative aspects. And as I considered, I realized after talking to him a little more, he said one of his goals, if he did retire, was to spend more quality time with his wife. And you know, a lot of us, as we go through the stages of life, Linda, uh, we've seen couples, clients that have come to us in their 30s and they're in the stage where they've got young children. And then in the 40s, the kids are getting older. In the 50s, a lot of the kids are now in college College and and so forth. And then they move into the next stage and now all of a sudden they've got empty homes. They're they're empty empty nesters. nesters. Mm -hmm. And now the question on a lot of them is, well, hello, Uh, uh, who are you (laughs) no more kids around what do we do and i told him i said the negative aspect of you continuing to work and not retiring is the fact that you never know how many years are in front of you now might be the perfect time to do exactly what you want to do and that's Work on quality time with your wife and do all the things Mm -hmm. and so forth and so on. So as you said, Linda, financial planning is much more than just numbers. It's very much encompassed by all aspects of the client's life. Exactly. And for many of these families who have, especially in the last 10, 15 years, boomerang kids that, you know, mom and dad take care of uh, getting them educated but because they don't can't get a job, they've boomeranged back into their homes. But then finally they get that job. And that I agree with you, Doug, because a lot of our clients and many of our listeners are into that stage. And it's like, are we going to travel or we're going to do this project, you know, of renovation in the house? Or maybe we're going to sail <laughs> mm-hmm. or pick up a new hobby some of them have become pilots That's right. together uh, just whatever it is but uh it's the dream phase of life yes where you now you go to realizing all the dreams that you worked for in the early years of your life 
And if you're starting to reach that dream phase of life, then call the Lewis family. Call us today at 919-860-9783 on Money Matters, only on News Radio 680 WPTF. They've been helping North Carolinians just like you, and they can help you too, because your money matters. Well, Deborah, what's new in the world of bond funds and bond investments? Well, um, Bill Gross, who is probably the uh, most well-known expert in in bonds, says investors should protect investments, not search for higher returns. And I think a lot of this is because he's he's speaking to the fact that when central bankers stop printing money, investors will be left holding an empty bag. Yeah, so he's focusing really on what's happening uh, with interest rates and the Fed. And that's exactly right. Of course, Bill Gross is saying that investors should move to protect their money next year in 2016 rather than reaching for higher returns. And he's talking specifically, or not specifically, but generally about taking more risk in the bond arena. And of course, this would be the junk bond funds. But Mr. Gross, who was at one time up until last year, the manager of the world's largest bond fund, he said central bankers have been doing the equivalent of printing money and acting like gamblers who keep doubling their bets to recoup their losses. Yeah, he said, um, you know, he, he he has used his previous two monthly letters to urge the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates. And his warning is about bond funds. And it's also what we have been saying for eight months or so. That's right. That's right. There is certainly not, in my opinion, a blanket that we will never be recommending bond funds again for our clients' portfolios. Of course not. Of course not. Uh, uh, there will be a time, but right now, uh, we need to realize that there is going to be a serious potential comeuppance in the world of bond funds. Junk bond funds already have been hit and so forth. And so we need to realize how do we reposition? What do we go into as we come out of And this is where the customized financial plan really where the rubber hits the road. Yeah. Now, of course, we all know in the world of investments, there is much more than just stocks and bonds. That's right. There's alternative investments. And one of the most popular one is the real estate investment trust. That's right. The alternatives have gotten a lot of press over the last couple of years uh, and The most popular of the alternatives are called REITs, these real estate investment trusts, these REITs. But there's been a special tax bill that's attacking these REIT spinoffs. You know, the House Republicans are trying to curtail a very popular technique that lets companies spin off their property holdings into real estate investment trusts. And uh, this is a really tricky thing here because... Uh, It's not that REITs are bad. It's that there are some bad REITs. Right. Uh, And and Doug, the the real incentive to be a REIT is it's it's a tax benefit to the company. That's right. If a company can be qualified as a real estate investment trust, if it can be qualified as a REIT, then it pays no tax. Right. Compared to another company like IBM that has to pay corporate tax. So what's left over in profits goes to the investors as dividends, and then the investors, of course, pay tax on those dividends. But here, a REIT avoids that corporate tax, and that means the double doubling up of the taxes by the by the client, by the investor, is gone. He gets twice as much. But there have been spinoffs, and that's what they're attacking here. That's REIT right. REIT spinoffs have become very popular among retailers, restaurant chains, 
Casino companies, they try to unlock value in their holdings and be qualified as a REIT. And of course, that right away is, it's a lookalike. It's right. not, it's, in my opinion, it's not a real REIT. And I'm, uh, I'm in favor of curtailing uh, this because there's some very high quality REITs out there. Of course, uh, some of the more popular ones that we know, uh, well, as a matter of fact, our radio station, Highwoods, uh, that's that's a REIT. Right. Pub- public storage is a REIT. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hilton Hotels. So, you know, there are a lot of names out there that we all know. And then in addition to those REITs, which are trading, there's the non-traded REITs. That's right. But we have to realize that this uh, this matter of, uh, of, of the tax bill targeting REITs, that's very good because you can't just make a blanket statement just like bond funds or stock funds. You've got to have some help professionally, like a certified financial planner like myself, like Deborah, who can help you decide which are the good REITs to have in your portfolios and which are the ones to watch out for. That's right, because as soon as you are in something that you should have watched out for, once its status is taken away, then you no longer are you never you no longer have diversified your portfolio. It, it's it has gone away and so has your your benefit. And it's important, isn't it, to look at uh, what are all the sources of your income and how is that income flowing to you? If there's a change, then you want to be aware of it. That's so true. Yeah, I have. Uh, I like real estate as an investment class. I have always liked real estate as an investment class ever since the 80s. Uh, and, uh, and, and so to me, the class itself uh, is a good class. But that doesn't mean that there aren't some really bad apples in the bunch. And uh, I think that's where we have to be careful. That's right. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewises on News Radio 680 WPTF. Call us with your questions on the open line at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-WPTF. And if you would like to schedule an appointment, call us at Lewis Financial Management, we're in Midtown Raleigh, 32 years of financial planning excellence, 919-872-7000, and visit our website at DougAndLinda.com. Well, Doug, Linda, there are a lot of uh, questions brought up about ETFs and the characteristics and the pros and the cons, and do you know anything about them? And this frequently comes up. I I thought that... um, uh, an interesting article this week that we might go over about about their safety. Yeah, you know, we have been, of course, in our office, we have been uh, advising clients do not invest in ETFs for a number of reasons. But this article that you're referencing, Deborah, is very interesting because ETFs are really probably one of the most popular uh, investments out there right now. These are exchange-traded funds. That's what ETF stands for. But the heading of the article was ETFs aren't as safe as they're sold to be. And the key there is sold because a growing number of ETFs offer what's called built-in strategies that are triggered when the market falls, which, of course, may sound comforting, but it can cause an accident. Take, yeah, let's yeah. take let's take two ETFs that seem nearly identical. Okay, you can have two ETFs that seem nearly identical, and lo and behold, the safety strategies could amount to some very costly insurance. Sure, you may be protected in a catastrophe, but one wrong move could also wipe out any gains that you made. Not to mention the fact that these 
ETFs have a lot higher management fees. And so really, I think this is something to watch out for. At last, the press is bringing to the attention of the public that ETFs are not as safe as they are sold to be. Right, and several times during this past year where all the volatility was, I mean, you know, December is always the month of looking back in hindsight and reflecting on what made the news. Well, there were a couple times where we saw drops in the market, and when you're watching different types of asset classes, ETFs in many situations lost more than anything else. You're exactly right, Deborah. that happened. It's the nature of what it is that most people don't understand. And that's why many times, and this might be you if you're listening tonight, you got sold an investment without understanding if that investment was way too much risk for you to take on. And what would happen if and when something like 2015, there was a lot of volatility? How is this going to affect you? Well, don't you find that uh, many folks that... uh, have managed accounts or discretionary accounts um, generally they are sold these these type of vehicles absolutely e- ETFs because yeah, they're, they're passive they're easy they're 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 topical they're trendy but you as a person will probably not be able to re-explain what you own or understand the negative <laughs> impact if it were to happen I mean isn't that something I it mean is. who gives their money away to someone and doesn't know and what says, they bought here you drive the car right no you need to understand and that's I mean, it, it is important for you to have a comfortable understanding that if you are investing your money, that you know who's managing it and where it's going. That's right. You know, this past week, Linda, I heard a client's, when I asked them at their first meeting, I said, well, what's your experience in investments? And the <laughs> client said, oh, well, my investments have been IRAs and 401ks, and I had to educate that client that these are not investments. An IRA is not an investment. A 401k is not an investment. It's a container for investments, but it has nothing to do with it. I said, it's just like a chicken and a chicken house. There's a big difference between a chicken house and the chicken. An IRA is a chicken house. There's chickens inside of it. A 401k is a chicken house. There's chickens inside of it. But the client had no idea, just as you say, Linda, they did not understand that all these years they have been putting money into something and they didn't even know what it was. So beware. Beware if your fiduciary is selling you something that you don't understand. Make sure that there is a disclosure of your fees and what the vehicles are that you're purchasing. Well, then let's take Dave's call. Dave, this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can I help you? Yes, I had a question about inheritance. All right. If I'm receiving an inheritance, uh, enough to pay off a mortgage, uh, and that's the only debt I have left, would it be wise to use that inheritance to pay off the mortgage and then use the mortgage payments I was uh, planning on paying for use those for uh, children's education, or is it better to continue to keep the mortgage and use the inheritance? All right. Let's find out some facts. How old are you, Dave? 35. 35. Married or single? Married. Married. And are you employed right now? Yes, I am. All right. What's your What's your income? My income is about 80000 80000 And your wife, is she employed? No, she's not. All right. So family income is at eighty. Now, living expenses right now, including the mortgage, how much your living expenses run, let's say, on a yearly basis, including, um, and include everything you think of, you know, like your travel, your gifts, your lifestyle for the year. Right. I would say... 
probably have maybe forty thousand dollars you know a year in expenses, including the mortgage. Now let's go to your assets before the inheritance. What do you what do your investments look like? Probably maybe ten thousand dollars total in mutual funds. All right, so you've so you've accumulated ten thousand dollars. That's your total investment portfolio. Correct at this time. All right. Well, yeah, your expenses must be much, much higher than you think they are because we've we're we're missing twenty five thousand a year or thirty five thousand a year. That's that's going somewhere. You see what I'm saying? Right. And I think that's important answering his question about the retire about the okay. the mortgage. Right. Now, all right. Now you received an inheritance. How much is your inheritance? Probably around one hundred and thirty. All right. So you received one hundred and thirty thousand dollars. Right. And how much is the value of your home? The value of the home is about two hundred. The value of the home is two hundred, and the mortgage, uh, the outstanding, uh, it's about one ten. One hundred and ten. And you want to know? Does it make sense to go ahead and pay off the mortgage? Pay off the mortgage. And have twenty thousand left, and use that and put it in some mutual funds, and then the thousand dollars a month I'm paying for house payment, put some type of investment. Plan yeah. Together. Well, I think really, if you think about it, you've already answered your own question, Dave. You have shown a very poor history of investing when you've had cash on a regular basis because you've just told me that your excess is 35000 a year. You should be able right now, under the information you just gave me real quick, to be investing about 3000 a month. And if it hasn't been happening, I don't have a lot of comfort that it will be happening if you, ex- if you end up with an extra 1000 a month, which should be 4000 right. My advice to you would be to capture the 130000 Get that invested. Okay. That 130000 even under... Uh, you know, a normal or even maybe a worst case scenario should be able to produce for you about 9100 a year, about $750 a month income, which you don't need to pay the mortgage. Right. The other thing is by paying off the mortgage, your taxes are going to go up. Correct. So then you, you'd be in a worse condition. I think what you need to do is step number one, see a certified financial planner. Okay. Step number two, design an asset allocation with the pl- financial planner for a an investment portfolio that invests the 130000 into unit sizes that uh, I would say maybe, oh, $15,000 unit size to get about eight investments there. Okay. Work with a living expense sheet with your planner that will go ahead and go over the expenses and get your lifestyle on paper the way you and your wife are comfortable. And then whatever that excess is, if it turns out to be not 3000 a month, let's say it turns out to be 2000 a month. All right. We need to get that money invested at the beginning of every month in what we call a pay-yourself-first plan and then be living on the excess and build into the arrangement what I do in my practice when I have clients like that that have commissions. We build into the timing for the lumps that are expected to be coming versus the bare base salary that's coming through the year. And I think that we needs to be done. But by waiting to try and accumulate, I think that's a mistake. I'd capture the lump and get it working. Okay, great. Yeah, and write down your questions. And as Doug said, you know, work with a financial planner. If you'd like any information that we can provide for you, you can call me at the office. I appreciate it. Um, and that number in Raleigh is 919-872-7000. 919 Right. And thank you for calling, Dave. Thank you. Bye-bye. And good luck. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family only on News Radio 680 WPTF. There is still time left in the show and open lines waiting just for you so the Lewis family can answer all your financial planning questions. The number is 919-860-9783. 919-860-9783. You know, I'm thinking how old was Dave? Dave's 35. 35 years old. So, let's just look at his world just for one further second. If he took 110,000 of his 130, 
to pay off the mortgage. And let's assume his mortgage was, we didn't ask him, let's say it was a 4% interest rate. He'd save 4% charges that he's costing him. But suppose he had taken his 130000 and selected mutual funds who over the last 10 years had averaged, let's say, 7% per year. And he developed a portfolio. If he got another 7% on that, he's taking money to save 4% away from money that would be 7%. And his 130000 if that's what happened in 20 years when he's only 55, would not be 130000 It'd be over half a million. So he's really depriving himself of a half a million dollars of future uh, capital investment portfolio to go ahead and take care of his needs. People don't think that way. And I think that's where they where when people decide that they need professional advice and they need a certified financial planner. And the reason why people will come to see us or any other certified financial planner is they know they need to think about things differently. That's right. In a way you've never thought about it before. How do you weigh certain uh, certain options uh, against other options if you don't know what all the options are? Right. So this right. gives you that outlet. Well, what's new in the world of estate planning? Well, you and know, tax planning. Yeah, last week Linda, right at the end of the show, we touched on something that I'd like to come back to. It's this matter of the possibility of there being an income tax time bomb inside of clients' estate plans. And I think this is something not many people are aware of because as the federal estate tax exemption has ballooned from $600,000 that you could leave tax-free not many years back to now it's over $5.4 million, then the need for estate tax planning has drastically decreased because not many people are facing $5.4 million of estate and if you multiply that times two people, you get what, Deborah? Ten million, almost eleven million almost dollars. Almost eleven million you can dollars pass. that you can leave now. Estate tax free. Estate tax free. So uh, this is changing the world of what happens in these estate plans. Now, in those estate plans that we actually did and still do for some of our clients, right? We have what's called the AB Trust. Okay. The AB Trust, of course is more commonly known as a credit shelter trust That's right. and a marital trust, or as we do it in our office, it's a credit shelter trust and the part to the wife or the spouse, the marital portion. Now, this credit shelter trust is where when the first spouse dies, their estate plan provides that an amount equal to the federal estate tax exemption will go into that family trust or that credit shelter trust. So it's $5.4 million now. Okay. okay. So, for example, if Joe dies in 2015 with an estate valued at $6 million, then $5.4 million will go into the family trust. That's exactly right. All right. The assets that go into that trust receive a stepped-up tax basis as of Joe's date of death. All right. Now, here's the kicker. When Mary later dies in 2030, let's say, 15 years later, okay, any property remaining in her portion will be included in her estate and receive what's called a stepped-up basis as of her date of death. Right. And, and therefore, that, yeah. go ahead. it will be free of any estate taxes and also any capital gains taxes. Right, right. Because it got this stepped-up basis. However, 
any of Joe's property remaining in that credit shelter trust keeps the basis as of Joe's death in 2015. And if it has grown to, let's say, be from 5.4 million to 15 million, it goes to his kids free of all estate taxes, but could have a $10 million capital gain <laughs> and face $4 million of capital gains taxes. That's right. So what do you do? <laughs> well, you've got several options to choose from. I'm assuming that many of our listeners have these trusts. They've got a B trust, a B trust or a family trust or credit, credit shelter, shelter trust. trust. Okay. Undoing the AB trust plan and instead leaving everything outright to your spouse will result in a stepped up basis for the entire estate. And what this means is that the children, let's say, pay zero tax when they sell anything they inherit. Hmm. And let's say, because everything got this stepped up tax basis. Right. So for many clients whose estates are not taxable, meaning less than $10 million, the AB trust planning is going to cost more harm than good. Right, right. Let's say a couple has been married for 50 years and they want to leave their estate to their children and they're not particularly worried about their surviving spouse remarrying. Then the trust plan, that AB trust plan, that family trust is going to have detrimental effects. The assets that remain in that trust when the surviving spouse dies will not receive this stepped up basis. Yeah. Investment management with this basis in mind is really the key here because the benefit of the step up is the greatest when the assets had a chance to develop large embedded capital gains. The practical problem this presents, well, this translates into an investment management approach. And that's really what you have to realize is that just like you were saying earlier, Linda, everything is intertwined and a state situation immediately becomes an investment situation and you have to think about things from lots of different angles what we do right now as we're designing new estate plans for clients that may need that credit shelter trust we now put in their disclaimer language for disclaimer trust so you can get the best of both worlds and for clients that have old credit shelter trusts that don't need them it's very easy to unwind them so really, whatever your situation is, if you need qualified estate planning, as well as total financial planning, as well as tax planning and investment planning, then we would be happy to help you. That's right. what we do at Lewis Financial Management. That's what we've been doing for over 32 years now. And this is what we're all about. We are the Lewis family. And it's funny, you know, when you think about all of the stories uh, that have been told in our office and all of the tax laws that have changed and have affected all of those stories because everyone's life is affected by the estate, the tax, the cash flow, the retirement, the investments, all of these worlds. And it's, it's your set of questions that's going to help you solve your set of answers. I think next week we might talk about how to take care of aging parents. But right now I hear the music. We want to say good night. Thank you for listening tonight. And remember, your money matters because your financial future is at stake. You've been listening to Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Money Matters provides you with a personal financial hotline on any subject where money really matters. For more information, you can call Doug, Linda, or Deborah 
in Raleigh at 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. Or go to DougAndLinda.com. And listen again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for more Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis on News Radio 680 WPTF.